Welcome, everyone, to the Midnight Bells. I am Sadie, and tonight we have Jessica and Sarah. Why would you do that? Three for a loop there. You weren't weren't quick on your feet. Why would you do that? Usually it's Sarah and then Jessica, but that's change the order. I was born born first, so I think that it's fair. And actually, I was born first out of all three of us, so... I'm not your sister. So you're used to being the first at everything? Let us have our chance. Okay. Jessica, I don't like this elder sibling um, domination. I personally... Is that because you're the baby of the family? I am actually the youngest. Me and Sarah are the youngest in... You're not uh, the, the middle child. That's true. You, I Jesus keep forgetting you guys have Christ, I just told you a story about my brother. Nobody <laughs> knows that we have a brother. Hey, guys, we have a brother. And I am not related to Jessica or Sarah. He doesn't answer our text, though. Nope. So is he our brother? No. I don't know, for real. Well, let's uh, get into the topic of the night. Tonight is a very uh, well-read topic. Haha, <laughs> well-read, I get it. Because it's about a manuscripts i was gonna say i didn't actually figure it out yet i was just trying to throw you a bone there okay we're gonna talk about something called the voinic manuscript okay is that how it's pronounced i was saying it totally different voinic voinic um somebody listened i know i listened to our podcast recently and told me a bunch of words i was just pronouncing and i said okay and i didn't (laughs) say anything else wait say that again (laughs) somebody i know listened to a bunch of episodes and just kind of pointed out all the uh, the words we mispronounce and i just think well what makes them such a smarty pants (laughs) i just um, think that uh that's our our trademark it's our calling card I was in speech therapy for half my life, so I have an excuse. I have no excuse. I'm just dumb. I only speak English, therefore <laughs> I can only pronounce words with a, an English American accent. Some of our English words are mispronounced. Um, I will well, also you know argue that we use some pretty weird words on this podcast that maybe you wouldn't encounter every day. And hey, also to that person who you know who listened to our podcast and corrected us. Fuck off. No, no. We like our listeners. Anyways, so speaking of all people, of that one, I have this theory that uh, people who read more tend to mispronounce a lot of words. People who because speak more tend to use words that sound right, but are wrong, like intensive purposes. Oh, oh yeah. I have I a theory. Know. I, have I don't a theory. read a lot, but I talk a lot and I still say things wrong all the time. But I think it's because you either grew up reading more or speaking more. Or you just grew up with, like, dumbass people around you all the time. So, at Yale University, Uh in the Beinecke Rare Book and Manuscript Library, sits possibly the most mysterious tomb of human history. It's called the Voynich Manuscript. Okay. Um, Speaking of mispronunciation, tomb. Tome. (laughs) Tome. Can I just say, I love how Jessica, anytime she does, like, starts, like, setting a stage for us, she ends with, okay? Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. You get it? Okay. I really love it. So, this is a 240-page tome. Uh Uh-huh. However, it does have many pages missing. Ooh. The pages in the book is made out of vellum, which if you don't know, and I don't know if I'm saying that right, sorry. That is right. Vellum is made out of 
calf skin. Yeah. Okay. And it said that there was at least 15 to 16 entire calf skins that found this book. Damn. Someone killed a lot of baby cows. Yeah. Congratulations. As I said, there are many pages missing. The book is unique in that it has this very beautiful looping script. It goes from left to right, same direction that we write. And the script is accompanied by many dreamlike illustrations. So those, go ahead. Is that, so that's illuminated then, like when it's got all the little like drawings and stuff, I think is it, it's considered an illuminated one or is it? What does that mean? So illuminated, I think means when it's got like a bunch of like, illustrations all over it i believe okay yes so it's heavily yes the whole book is heavily illuminated (laughs) i'm just i'm just curious because those are really pretty hold on hold on well a lot of it is like diagrams and then like text surrounding the diagrams or underneath the diagrams it kind of looks like a science book or someone's diary so I do, I, I asked that and I actually, I actually looked it up and it says it's illustrated, but it doesn't say it's illuminated. So what's the difference? Illuminated manuscript is a manuscript in which the text is supplemented with such decorations as initials, borders, and miniature illustrations. So I'm not sure if okay, that's- Okay, I don't know if that, that would count. Different. So it's not illuminated. It's not illuminated, guys. No, no, no. Guys. It's okay. not to that level. Okay, okay. These are, it's basically like somebody wrote notes and then doodled on it. Okay. So, like, the the picture that you just showed us is what? Those were very, like, Renaissance-aged. Oh, um, pre-Renaissance, too. Very ornate and perfect illustrations. Right. The Voynich Manuscript does not look like, look like that. It's very much... In some cases, a slightly crude hand drawing. And while I wouldn't say it's a doodle, I wouldn't say it's a doodle. It's it's a doodle. Yeah, they're kind of more doodles than actually, you know, completed works of art in the book. Yeah. Maybe they're like, you know how like sometimes they have like the figure drawings. Right. Maybe it's like that. Well, it says here that the strictest definition of illuminated is only redecorated with gold or silver versus sometimes people will just say it to mean any decorated thing. So you could consider it illuminated depending on what you're. I just think that's important because we need to know how in depth these people went. People? Person? We'll find out later on. Oh, maybe we won't. Oh. So most of these dreamlike illustrations depicted real and imaginary plants, floating castles, bathing women, astrology diagrams, zodiac rings, and suns and moons with faces. Does this not sound like somebody's like journal? Yeah, this sounds like something I would draw in middle school. If you look at the pages online, because the Beinecke Library, you know, published or What's that called? Facsimile. Oh, oh yeah. Like made a facsimile of every page. Uh-huh. Or photograph. Oh, and the book is approximately 24 by 16 centimeters. Okay. Okay. So I don't know what size that is. Um a centimeter. It's a medium-sized book. Okay. Like that. Like there you go. Like About the size big. of that book? Yay. Locked big. in or lock in? Or a little bigger. No, it's 
say it's bigger than that. It's like probably Harry Potter it's size. It's probably like bigger than this. It's about like a this. bread box. So. Okay, bread that's not a medium sized book. That's a large book. All right, a large book. Okay, so a man by the name of Wilfred Boynick was the first known owner of the Voynich Manuscript, so that's why it's named after him, Voynich. He was a Polish bookseller that lived between 1865 and 1930 who came across this mysterious document at a Jesuit college in Italy in 1912. He purchased the manuscript from the college's priests and eventually brought it to the U.S. So this Jesuit college was struggling financially, so they had to sell a lot of their manuscripts and old books. And they were selling them to, I want to say to the Pope, actually. But about 30 manuscripts were purchased by this Wilfred Voynich. The you Voynich manuscript be being one of them. Pretty ballsy to sell to the Pope. Just be like, hey, we got some cool books. I think it was the, I think it was the Pope. Why? The Roman Catholic Church. I just remember that. Can you imagine the Pope who gets everything probably given to him being like, you have to buy these. And he's like, what? Um, You know, some people know how to hustle. Pope gets probably a lot of money. He probably does. He can afford it. You see his hat? I feel like he doesn't have a lot of money, but he gets a lot of perks, if you know what I mean. Uh... What? I'm sure there's some type of stipend for him. Let's find out. Yes, Pope. How much does the Pope make? How much does the Pope While make? While you're researching that. Google. Okay, but you got to research it in um, 1912. 1912, how much did the Pope make? Who was the Pope? The Pope in 1912 was a man named Pope John Paul I. Traditionally, Popes earned three coins per year. One gold, one silver, one copper. Upon their death, three bags are placed in their coffin containing the coins accumulating their papacy. Papacy, yeah. So the Pope's salary in modern terms, so that means that the Pope gets a courtesy salary of one golden coin, one silver coin, etc. In reality, they receive a monthly pension of 2,500 euros. That's about $3,300. Well, that's something a Pope gets who lives in, in retirement gets. Oh. Pope Benedict, who lives in retirement, is given a monthly stipend of 2,500 euros. That's what it says their salary is here. So I don't know if that works for everyone, but. Oh, yeah, no, that's Pope Emeritus. So you're right. That's afterwards. Yeah, Emeritus Benedict. I don't know how much the Pope makes. Anyways, let's move on. <laughs> So I never actually got to the reason as to why the Voynich Manuscript remains one of the most mysterious manuscripts of all times. And the reason is because this book was seemingly written in a script or a language that nobody's ever seen before. That's fun. It's very much looks like a real legitimate language, but no one can figure out its origins Hmm. or if it's in fact real it could be complete gibberish as some people think it is however there are many um letters in the book that closely resemble letters from the latin alphabet didn't they say something like there's high german or something in it yes so one of the languages that it points out is high german latin and I think those are the only two that I recall. But there there was a word that was in there. 
that was claimed to be of high Germanic origin. Um, cryptologists that have studied the manuscript say that the, the looks of it has all the check marks of being a real language. The patterns in the words prove the text isn't from a random letter generator. Letters vary in style and height. Some letters look like they belong to other scripts, as in the O's, the A's, the C's, and the G's. But some letters are completely unique, and I kind of wrote them down here. I mean, there literally are O's, A's, C's, and G's. If you look at the thing, yeah. and then there's random letters that have never existed mm. in any other script. The taller characters have been named Gallo's characters. They think, after having studied the manuscript, that two or more hands wrote the book mm -hmm. and a separate one did the illustrations. Hmm. So there's possibly three people involved in the creation a of this publishing okay. house. This is just, so I kind of have a theory brewing and that just makes me, my theory feel even more concrete mm. in my mind. So before we get to theories of what this might be, I want to go a little bit over the history of the book itself and the owners. So in 2009, the University of Arizona performed radiocarbon dating and determined that this book was produced between 1404 to 1438. Mm. So this is some very old 15th century shit. So the first known author of the Voynich manuscript was a man by the name of George Baresh, who was a 17th century alchemist from Prague and a learned learn Jesuit scholar. He knew a man by the name of Athanasius mm -hmm. Kircher, who had claimed to have deciphered an Egyptian Coptic, which was full of Egyptian hieroglyphs. Mm -hmm. And so when George Baresh learned of Kircher's deciphering of this Egyptian stuff. He wanted to send him a sample of the Voynich manuscripts. He actually sent two samples in 1639, asking him for clues. Kircher was interested in helping, and he replied back that he wanted him to send him the manuscripts. And Baresh wasn't interested in that, did not want to relinquish the book. He was studying it himself, trying to crack the code. Um, he sent him, he made him copies, two copies and sent them over, but we don't actually know if Kircher ever deciphered anything from those samples that he got. We just know that he was interested in getting the book. So then a few years later, George Bresch passed away and the Voynich manuscript went to his friend, Jan Marek Marcy which was a rector of Charles University in Prague. Do you think it was Jan or Jan? Oh, true. Uh, we don't Jan, know. J-A-N. It's a, what is that, a French name? Could be. That's how you pronounce That's how you spell Where's Jan. Prague, Italy? Uh, Prague is Czech Republic. Yeah. It's a capital. It was, it's probably Jan. That's a. Okay, Jan Marek Marcy, who is friends with George Bresch, inherited the Voynich manuscript. A few years later, after receiving the manuscript, Marcy, who was actually very good friends and correspondence with Kircher, who was the guy that yeah. Baresh originally sent the samples to, he just sent him the damn book. So <laughs> with the book, he wrote a cover letter in Latin, August, dated August 19th, 1665 or 1666. And this was still on the book when Voynich himself acquired it. 
So basically in this letter, Marcy says that, um, you know, he got this book from Baresh and he really wants to send it to Kircher because he feels that he's the only one that will be able to read it. Mm-hmm. And he says that his last paragraph of the letter says this. Dr. Raphael, and this is the first time he's mentioning this name, Dr. Raphael, a tutor in the Bohemian language to Ferdinand III, then King of Bohemia, told me the said book belonged to the Emperor Rudolf and that he presented to the bearer who brought him the book 600 ducats, 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 ducats. He believed the author was Roger Bacon, the Englishman. On this point, I suspend judgment. It is your place to define for us what view we should take thereon, to whose favor and kindness I unreservedly commit myself and remain. At the command of your reverence, Johann Marcus Marcy of Cronland Prague, 19th August, 1965 or 66. God, I'm going to start signing all my letters with, what is that at your... To whose favor and kindness I unreservedly commit myself and remain. Yeah, at I the like command that. of your reverence. At the command of your reverence. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to start signing my emails at work with that. So basically the letter states that a man named, what did I say? Roger Bacon was the author of the Voynich Manuscript. Typical which Bacon. This letter was still on the, screw, the manuscript when Voynich himself received it. So when he read the letter, he is believing that this Roger Bacon is the legitimate author. So I had to naturally look up Roger Bacon. Roger Bacon is a big fucking deal. Have you guys heard of him? No. Is he related to Kevin? Stop. He could be. We are stopping Maybe that one right here. six degrees of separation somehow. Uh, so Roger Bacon lived from 19, sorry, lived from 1219 or 1220, you're not sure, to 1292. Now, have you guys been paying attention this is earlier. When did I say the University of Arizona pegged the manuscript to have been created in? Uh, 1400s. The 1400s. Yeah. But Roger Bacon died in 1292. So some scientists are saying that that's impossible because the vellum clearly came from the 1400s. Roger Bacon died 200 years prior. Roger Bacon was a medieval English philosopher and Franciscan friar. His most known work was a book called the Opus Magus, which featured topics in natural sciences such as grammar and logic, math, physics and philosophy, optics, alchemy, astronomy. He was the first person to describe in detail the process of making gunpowder. It was the Chinese that yeah. discovered yeah. how to make gunpowder, but I guess there had never been any... Uh, yes. So um, we had to catch up a bit. Roger Bacon was the first dude that was like wrote down the instructions to make gunpowder. Was there anything kind of uh, sneaky about maybe possibly extending your life by a cool 200 years or so? That would be, what's his name? What's his name? Who, who made the Philosopher's Stone? Oh, Nicholas Flamel. Oh, Nicholas Flamel. Flops, Flamel. Flamel. Sorry, we're really working on our pronunciation tonight. Well, I mean, pronounce the man's name right. So Roger Bacon also, remember, he's in the 1200s here, proposed flying machines, motorized ships, and carriages. He also invented the magnifying glass. That's just a quick summation of all the shit that this guy did. Now, during his life, he was actually not given any credit, real 
It's not that he wasn't given credit, but he wasn't highly followed. When I did a cursory Google search, it immediately said he was a wizard, rumored to be a wizard. wizard, So that's usually a bad sign. So just doing this bit of research on him that I did, he it's saying that his ideas were really too far advanced for most people at the time. So it wasn't until later that we realized we really don't know. Roger Bacon, modern science today says it's not possible. Unless he was a time traveler. He talked about flying machines. That is true. This could be another mystery. Immortal or time traveler or both, you know? You said he was into alchemy and stuff. Maybe he's also into necromancy. Well, I will say during my much talked about but not deeply gone into cursory Google search, it said wizard and also something about necromancy with a some kind of wizard metal head. So I'm going to go into this guy in another episode because he sounds fun. Yeah, but we need an episode all about him. Back to the theories. So the three main theories that exist revolving around the, the Voynich manuscript and its origins. One is that it was written in a cipher code. So in a secret made-up code that maybe only one or two people would know, maybe it shared some sort of secret so they didn't want anyone, just anyone, finding out about. Mm-hmm. Another is that it's a gibberish hoax. A lot of people say that Voynich himself was, you know, he was a book salesman. He was trying to make a sale. So a maybe book. he spun a large web of lies surrounding this book that was just gibberish or maybe he himself wrote it but, trying to get it popularized and but didn't they carbon didn't they carbon date like the pages and the ink and all of that yes they did so that's you know that theory is kind of out because clearly Voynich who lived until mid 1920s or when did he die he died in 1930 he couldn't have created this. The calf skin. Yeah. DNA's there. And even not just even that, like, even if he had like maybe a like a blank journal from the 14th century, I think did they do testing on the ink too? Mm-hmm. That yeah, so I, I left that out, but they um another university did get some samples of the ink and they did testing and the chemicals that were used to make the inks were dated to the same time period as the vellum. Modified. Yep. So it was not modified. So the third theory and the most highly regarded theory is that it is legitimate. And it's totally possible that this was a sorry that this book was written by scholars that were trying to create a script, perhaps for a language that was spoken but had never been written before. Mm. An example would be the Rongo Rongo script invented on Easter Island, which is now completely unreadable because that entire civilization collapsed. They think it might be an encyclopedia containing knowledge about this unknown culture of sorts. Um, And then there was just a few other weird possibilities. Somebody said, somebody, a 16th century Elizabethan mystic, John Dee, who studied alchemy and divination could have written it. Or some people even thrown out a coven of Italian witches. There were Italian fairy witches. We have talked about them. the last one was Martians. Of course, it's always aliens at the end. Aliens. Did you guys, or did you see 
Um, there was one theory that I kind of came across where it could have been a sampler of work, like something yes. that you would pass out to be like, hey. I saw somebody wrote that on Reddit, actually, because I searched Voidant Manuscript in there. Like lorem ipsum? Yes, like lorem ipsum, where it's like, here's just an example of what I can do if here's- you hire me as a... You know, but with real words, writer, so you can't are use fake it. Words. Yeah, but it almost seems too detailed. Like, like I said in the start of the episode, this does not match being like from a random letter generator. Mm. Okay, you ready for my theory? So I'm pulling this. I mean, it might be a little out there. It might be kind of stupid, but I'm ready. Back in high school. My friends and I, we had a notebook and we would oh, write God. two, three pages long notes and stuff, drawings, doodles. And then I would write and I would pass it to my other friend. She would read it and then she would write a few pages and mm-hmm. then, you know, we would pass uh, it. And maybe they made up their own little language so people couldn't read their secret notes because we would put little like we would use code words sometimes to describe things. Hey, my friend and I made up a whole alphabet. And so, Jessica yeah. has arrived at the table with a notebook. So this so, is my scrapbook. So they say there's about two or three different handwritings in it, right? It's Me, probably just it friends. It could very easily be. I do like the one where it's possibly scholars trying to write down like a language or something. Right. But it could have also just been as easily as this was a notebook maybe share between colleagues. Maybe they were trying to put coded words so people couldn't steal their work. Yeah. Or it was just friends and they were putting coded words because they were being silly. So Jessica's brought a book. I don't think it's going to be that though because it's too, the handwriting is too perfect and it's like, even though it was written by two people, you don't know how the same. Jessica, you are like a perfectionist. You would be that type of person who makes sure it's still that nice. So while I was researching the Voynich manuscripts um, and looking at some of the illustrations, I remembered this, I don't even know what you'd call it, this drawing that I acquired when I was living in Los Angeles. The last person I lived with was an old lady that did really weird things. I remember these. And I found this upon cleaning up one of her many messes and decided to keep it. And it kind of reminds me of the Voynich Manuscripts. Yes, you're right. read this weird shit. (laughs) You showed this to me. I remember now. Yeah, you're right. Happy fourth birthday, my loving, lovely, extremely smart, patient grandson. These creatures are on your side and here to help you. Fetus creature? Is that what that says? Yes. (laughs) So while Sarah's examining this disturbing document, I will just say. Sorry, it says lobster with green pinchers. We can't rule out that somebody is just dedicated enough and also just crazy enough to do something like that. Yeah, it was the 14th century or not the 14th century, the 1400s, 15th century. So they were probably really bored and had a lot of time on their hands. Those are like drug scribbles. So did you come across anything about the Codex Gigas, Jessica, or Gigas? No, I didn't read about that. So another illuminated manuscript that is called the devil's bible because it has a full full page very large or an illustration of the devil but what's interesting about that is that scientists have said that that book has enough material that it should have taken 20 years to create that book 
So we really can't, there's, there's actually quite a few mysterious and there's a lot of hoaxes too, a couple of big hoaxes, but we can't kind of rule out that like people didn't have anything to do back then. So yeah. the, the legend behind that one is that the guy got walled. He was being threatened to be walled up. I was reading a little bit of that. It's an actual like method of death that people would use as a punishment. They would wall you up. That's horrifying. Yeah. In the original is a spinoff of the Vampire Diaries. That's what they do. that we refer to the vampire diaries so much on this show i will also say um it was like the second time i will also say i did in my in my now i've mentioned it three times cursory google search about roger bacon um it mentions a necromantic brazen head that he created yeah you know i Kind of glossed over that because I wasn't understanding what it was talking about. So it's what is a, a necromantic no, brazen We're going to save this for the. Well, I the think this is important episode. to understand why that theory even exists because this guy was fucking weird. He made a a head a a, a brazen head that would what is tell a brazen you, head like a bronze or brass head that would tell you things like a magic eight ball, yes or no. Okay, so that's pretty cool. Here's a little kooky. If I had like, it looked like somebody's head and you shook it and it was like their mouth opened up and it was a magic eight ball thing. Well, it's a huge bronze head though. But like, imagine like a small one of that. He, uh, he did a lot. He's got a lot going on on his page. We might need a Roger Bacon episode, guys. We definitely do. You guys can claim that one. Yeah, so... I personally, I've heard about this a lot. It's actually one of the more popular weird books out there that it's floating around. But uh, it's always fun. And I, I do think we don't give enough credit to like ancient people. Like who would have made this? Like somebody who's really bored. Yeah. I mean, they don't even have TV or cell phones. Yeah. Good. You know how many hours are in a day? 24. <laughs> what are they supposed to do? Yeah. Like what are they going to do? <laughs> Such a millennial. They don't have any Candy Crush. Right. No solitary. Just die, I guess. Yeah. No solitary even. No solitary. Just kill yourselves. <laughs> Just die. But yeah, so I don't know. I, I kind of think, what which theory do you guys think is the most? I like my theory. So there is currently a father and son group. They have a YouTube channel called like deciphering the Voynich manuscript or something like that. And they think that they have cracked the code and they actually read an entire page worth of the manuscript. And it sounds pretty legit. And I guess like this, they're in Turkey, they're Turkish and they, and they are claiming that the script is very, um, very similar to like ancient Turkish scrolls. Mm -hmm. And Go and watch their videos if you're interested, because when they I read did, the page, I was like, damn, that really. I think I came across them and somebody was was saying that it was a little bit like. But scholars have not accepted their research. Yeah, of accurate. course not. Scholars never do. Well, and also a lot of times when it's just like some random finding out something, there's a reason why they're not taking them seriously for whatever reason. Like they're like, nah, it's not aligning usually the there's people who probably dedicated their entire lives to this there's people who have academically studied um my immortal that one harry potter fan fiction with raven dementia away what 
Oh, you haven't heard of My Immortal? No, and I've read them all. Oh, that one is... I didn't read any of them. Infamous. It's one of the worst written fanfics. Harry Potter fanfics? Yeah, but it's it's so badly written, they theorize that it is not re- truly badly written. I read, when I was in high school, I read a Harry Potter fan fiction that I'm not kidding you... If I had printed it out and bound it, would it probably have been as thick as a Harry Potter These novel. These people, right? This person wrote. It was before the the last book came out, so this person wrote what they think how it how end. their version should end, and it was centered around Ron and Hermione's relationship. They were already in love with each other, uh. and a couple. Which was what drew me in because I was into the like rom- romance oh, stuff. You like Ron Hermione. So, Hermione finds out that the only way to kill Voldemort is to do a spell that you have that takes. Remember, like the polyjuice potion, it takes like months to create. So it's another thing like that. And there's all these crazy steps to it. And the most vital piece of this potion was. <laughs> the blood of their first time having sex. <laughs> I I'm like love 15 years old when I read this and was like, so this much. is the best stuff. Reading this at like 5.30 in the morning before I go to school. <laughs> Just nervously looking around. <laughs> his, his mom coming out. Like she would fucking know what I was reading about. Well, on that like note. computer was in the like, kitchen. <laughs> Like, mom would be awake at 5.30 in the morning. No. Like, she um, would read. That was Jessica's <laughs> manuscript. She told me once that she was reading the notebook, and she was going to read two pages a day. And I was like, it's going to take you, like, five years to finish. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad that we've all... Jessica's admitted the most unusual fanfic she's read. Oh, no, that wasn't the worst. The worst one I've read. <laughs> was um it didn't have like it was it was just it, it alluded to everything and it didn't like show anything but it was a it was a love story between Filch the caretaker and the giant squid in the lake <laughs> I think I've heard of that one <laughs> I feel like I've heard of that one referenced I wasn't really into Harry Potter though like the the fanfic world Oh I was I know I liked it I liked <laughs> it a wrote lot. a couple fanfic No I didn't I tried to I <laughs> I couldn't write it. I only enjoy reading. I couldn't write it to my specifications. No. She would write it in like a composition notebook. I had like two pages. No shame. Well, yeah. I um, had like two pages. I would tell you. If I, someone's I would have gonna the whole find, still if I Someone's going to find our fanfics of as a society in the future and be like, what were they? Is this history? Why is there so many people named Draco and Harry and they're always like butt fucking each other? <laughs> I read a lot of that. Oh my God. <laughs> Draco must have been the most popular name back in like their early oh 2000s. I'm you know, sorry to the future. Nellie from school, I told her that and she said she was laughing and she was like, okay, confession time. I read um, Twilight fan fiction yeah. in high school. <laughs> it's funny because I think Fifty Shades of Grey is a Twilight fan fiction. It is. Started off as one. Have you heard about this? Um, movie after no it's a whole like i think it's gonna be a series now it's um a one direction fan fiction oh god anyways uh now that we've said the cursed words uh we should wrap it up thank you jessica for your uh 
insightful. I didn't do too bad, did I? No, No, it was great. Good evening. What? No, 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 no. You can't just cut it off like that. Thank you for listening to the Midnight Bells. Good evening. Stop trying to steal.